We wanted to show you that little video clip because it's actually a follow-up to the theme for our conference, Facing a Task Unfinished. As we shared with you at the beginning of the conference, actually thousands of churches around the world have adopted this theme right now. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a follow-up to that. So Facing a Task Unfinished, uh, the mission of the church. So glad to have all of you here and just want to remind you to stop by the tables in the gym. This is the last day for those. We have coffee and cookies there and all kinds of literature and materials, books to buy. And that's where the Zemmers display table is going to be. So after the service, the Zemmers are going to go to the gymnasium. Their display table is there. And so we encourage you to go down there and to talk with them and greet them. Uh, you can still buy books uh, for Lexi Sheen for her ministry at Radius International right now. So if you'd like to do that, there is still an opportunity to help her out. And we continue to encourage you to give generously towards the projects for the three missionaries uh, that are part of this year's conference. Well, this morning we do welcome Dave and Patty Zemmer. They are missionaries to Brazil. And we as a church have had the privilege of partnering with them and supporting them since their earliest days on the field. In recent years, much of Dave's focus has been on biblical counseling. He has completed his Master's of Biblical Counseling and has spent a great deal of time training others in counseling ministry while complementing that ministry with his own counseling, teaching, and discipleship. Dave will be preaching this morning, and then Dave and Patty will be sharing their ministry presentation this evening. Dave, come and share with us. Thank you, Pastor. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Trusting Jesus as we face a task unfinished. Thank you, girls, for that wonderful uh, word in music and the words of the music, Yvonne and Danielli. Thank you for sharing that with us this morning. 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, we began together a great endeavor of taking the gospel to Brazil, and we'll be talking more about that this evening. As Pastor reminded you, we encourage you to come this evening and uh, hear that report. This morning we want to look at our theme that we've been thinking about, I think now for four weeks, this is the end of the conference as I understand it, a task unfinished. And our theme verse has been, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then, and then, and then the end will come. We want to consider two things this morning. What is the gospel of the kingdom that Matthew is talking about? And what will the end that will come be like? How does that involve us? What does that mean for us today? While we consider these things, let us note that this is also a promise. Jesus said, this will happen. The gospel will be taken to the ends of the earth. These things will happen. Let's pray just briefly. Lord, turn our hearts to your word now and help us to be open and clear in our thinking that we may be encouraged 
to stand on the truth of your word and to trust you and your word, which is truth. That we may be lights in darkness in a world without hope. Lord, we ask that for your glory and for the good of your people and the growth of your church built on the truth of your word this morning as we open your word together. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The gospel of the kingdom is the term that Matthew uses to describe Jesus' message, which was and is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Jewish people were not looking for inward deliverance from sin, but for an outward deliverance from political oppression. Repentance was not on their radar. Like many today, they were looking for a savior figure to establish a political kingdom. But Jesus proclaims an inward kingdom in our hearts, in which he frees the heart from the power of sin, so that his subjects can obey him out of love, motivated by love for him. The gospel of the kingdom that we proclaim may not be what people expect. It was Sunday morning in Ubiraita, a small village in the central portions of the highlands of Brazil. When our evangelistic team first visited that remote farming village, the narrow streets were abuzz with busy people and sounds and smells that most important day of the week was that day, Sunday, market week in Ubiraita. A strange rhythmic noise of voices and drums came from one of the houses nearby. It was high noon in Ubiraita. I asked what was happening in that house. It was a Macumba meeting, a black magic spiritist meeting common in that village. The gospel of the kingdom was proclaimed that day in Ubiraita, forgiveness of sin by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, Macumba no longer meets at noon on Sundays, but a believing congregation does meet seeking to preach and to live out the word of God in Ubiraita. There is only one gospel. There are not many gospels. There is one gospel. And the change process is the same for all of us. We all need the saving grace of God in Christ to be saved and then to be changed, to grow, to be more like Christ. There is not a different gospel for the LGBT today, or for the folks of Ubiraita, or the thief, or the adulterer, or the murderer, or the liar. Jesus prayed, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There is none other than this that is the truth. There is one gospel, one Lord, one spirit by which God graciously saves and transforms people. Truth is singular. 
not plural. People want to know, well then, why am I the way I am? Why hasn't God changed me? If this is wrong, why doesn't God just take this desire away from me? The real question, the real question is what is our positioning in reference to the word of God? We can either scoff at the word of God or humbly submit to the word of God. Humble submission to the living word of God brings change that is possible because, because of God. The eternal creator burst into time and space to reverse the death spiral of sin. Jesus was crucified. He was buried and rose again to offer forgiveness of sin and new life in Christ. The gospel of the kingdom is God's idea for his glory and for forgiveness of sin by grace, through faith, to all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of God breaking into our world from the outside in, light into darkness, bringing life to death. And the good news is that in Jesus Christ, change is possible for all. What is that change like? gospel of the kingdom change begins from the outside in. It begins from the outside in. And then it transforms people from the inside out. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 outlined this for us very well, concisely describing the gospel of the kingdom change from the outside in and then from the inside out. For the grace of God, Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Here, grace of God speaks of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus Christ has appeared, or shown forth as the light of the world, bringing hope and salvation to all people groups. Without the presence, power, and authority of God, acting from the outside in through his word by grace, there would be no hope. There would be no faith. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. Gospel of the kingdom change happens from the outside in the moment a person hears the word and repents of sin and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. So beginning at the point of saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ, gospel of the kingdom change then transforms life from the heart outward, from the inside out, from 
heart change to fruit of righteousness. Titus 2, 11 and 12, read together. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That addresses motives of the heart. Motives of the heart. The grace of God in Christ trains us to change from the inside out, beginning with heart motives and heart desires. It trains us to put off patterns of thinking and behavior that reflect no fear of God. It trains us to say no to sinful passions. The grace of God in Jesus Christ, who died for us, was buried and rose again that we might live in obedience to his word. In obedience to his word. God's grace in Christ enables a believer to put off old way of life and put on a new man in Christ. I did not have to tell Zuka in Ubiraita to burn his fetishes and magic books that he kept under his bed. He did it to the praise and glory of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was the grace of God training Zuka to put off the old way of life. And yet, gospel of the kingdom change never stops with just putting off. <laughs> Praise God. Never stops with putting off the old. Jesus never asked his disciples only to deny themselves. Jesus asked all of us to die to self and follow him. The grace of God that trains us to put off the old and put on the new man in Christ. You see, it is the grace of God that trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That describes grace-empowered, spirit-directed living that glorifies God, that glorifies God. In my personal life, it is self-controlled. In my life before people, it is upright. And before God, it is godly living. Grace-empowered training involves us, and it involves us in the life of the local church. Most of God's commands are first-person commands, lived out in the context of the local church. That is the gospel of the kingdom that will be proclaimed. It will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. It is the gospel of grace that changes people from the inside 
from the outside in and then changes believers from the inside out. It is the gospel of grace that changes spiritist demon worshipers of Makumba in Uberaita to God-fearing children of God in Christ. It is grace-empowered progressive growth in Christ reflected in joyful permanent change of heart and behavior. Through it all, those who find the freedom of forgiveness for sin in their identity with Christ in his death and resurrection will celebrate the joy of the gospel. But that celebration of the joy of the gospel will be with a grief-stained joy that leads to God-inspired passion for the lost until all the nations, all the ethnos, the ethnic groups, people groups around the world hear the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom. Then Jesus says, then the end will come. No matter what that will be like, we are all called, and we are all called to be light on a hill in a dark world. That is true in Brazil, and it is true in our country. Go into all the world includes our country. To this, I want to speak briefly about what God has laid on my heart this morning. The moral collapse of our culture, led by the sexual revolution, is something that no one here, no one will escape from, either individually or as an institution. What has contributed to this disastrous situation and what can we do about it? What does God say to us about these dangerous days in which we live? First of all, I would like to say, remember that real makes a difference. Real, reality, truth, real makes a difference. Jesus prayed, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I believe that the Bible is true. It describes reality from cover to cover, beginning with Genesis 1. But in the last days, Peter reminds us, Scoffers will scoff at anyone who believes in the literal creation and the flood as described in Genesis. And that is exactly what is happening today. So how should we then live? Peter addresses that question with the last recorded words of the great prophet, of the apostle Peter, in his instructions in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, the last words from Peter. 
He says, you yourselves, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So, we are to grow in grace, to grow in Christ, become more like Christ. But what about Peter's warning? What about Peter's words, take care? Take care, brothers, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Just what is this error that threatens the stability of our faith in Christ? What error do lawless people promote that undermines our confidence in Christ and in his word? In the context, and that's always a good rule for understanding what God says. In the context of this chapter... Peter describes this dangerous error as a pervasive threat to the faith of all who would believe that the word of God is true. Those who promote this dangerous error will scoff at the Bible and ridicule those who believe it to be true. They will reject all moral restraints, being intent on following their own sinful desires. They will deaden their consciences by convincing themselves that there was no creation, no worldwide flood of judgment for sin. Therefore, they will conclude that there will be no future judgment no accountability to God for their words and for their actions. We read that in chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Allow me to read that. You may follow along in your word, if you would, your copy of God's word you have in your hands. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the, word, the world that existed was deluged, buried, immersed 
with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter says that these people will purposely forget. They will deliberately overlook the evidence that is all around us of creation and the evidence of a worldwide flood. They will say, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning. There is no God, they will say. All things came to be naturally by present day processes over billions, billions of years. However, real makes a difference. Real makes a difference. And real history is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, describing creation not long ago of a real Adam and a real Eve in a real world without sin, without death, without suffering for all. After Adam fell into sin, the world was judged by God with a devastating worldwide flood that violently changed the entire surface of the globe. So, if a worldwide flood really happened, as someone famously has said, I believe it was Ken Ham, what would the evidence be? If the flood really happened around the whole world, around the whole globe, what would the evidence be? Where is the evidence? Well, actually, the evidence of the flood is everywhere you look. Anywhere you go, anywhere you go in the world around the globe, you stand on the average, on the top of, on the average, 1,200 meters of sedimentary rock. That's three-quarter miles of sedimentary rock right down below us. Laid down by a lot of water in a short amount of time during the receding phases of the worldwide flood. The worldwide flood of Genesis best explains the features and the shape of the surface of the earth we see today. For example, just one example. Notice globally many flat areas in, in where we were in Bajetas, where we planted a church in Bajetas, by God's grace. There's a church there today. There is a, there is right, Bajetas is located at the base of what is called the, uh, uh, the, the, the Sehadu, which is a high plateau, which is flat as Kansas, and there is nothing higher than that. And it is a drop-off on all sides of about 800 to 1,000 feet. 
Now that's one flat area that is big, the size of the state of Indiana. But consider around the globe many flat areas of small sizes, even the size of this auditorium. Especially those flat areas at higher elevations. Why is anything still flat? A recent flood of about 4,350 years ago best explains how flat surfaces were formed and why they have not yet eroded away. Now the shape of the earth's surface, the layers of the rock, the rainbow, and seasonal changes are some of God's gracious reminders to us today of worldwide destruction and judgment that happened once and will happen again next time by fire. These sober reminders stir up in our hearts a very healthy fear of God. Fear of God. They remind us of His presence. God's presence. Of His power. God's power. And of His authority to tell us how to live. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we read in Proverbs, and the beginning of knowledge. It is the hatred of evil. It prolongs life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. You can decide this morning to fear the Lord in your own life. It is a decision of the heart that positions you in awe and reverence before God, the Creator and Redeemer in Jesus Christ. You can make this decision in prayer and the visible evidence of a worldwide destruction of flood is God's gracious reminder of His presence for you, power and authority in your life that we might fear His name. Now Peter says, the Lord is patient towards you in verses 9 through 11. The Lord is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed or burnt up. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And that is not a question. He is saying, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? So what, someone may say. Do I really have to believe in a young earth to be saved? To be sure, I'm going to heaven forgiven of my sins. What difference does it make? 
Isn't that just a scientific argument? Let the scientist settle that argument. Can't we be saved in Christ and grow in grace without getting involved in controversies about our origins? I want to say this morning, the problem is not that of saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is not the problem. But the problem is that of robbing God of His glory. God says in Psalm 19:1, and then I'll quote Isaiah 48, verse 11, God says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. And God says in Isaiah, My glory I will not give to another. When we yield to the pressure of unbelieving scientists and the fear of being laughed at, scoffed at, we lose the biblical fear of God. The conscious awareness of His presence and His power and His authority in our lives. There are consequences to robbing God of His glory. Moral confusion is one of those consequences. Moral confusion. We wouldn't dream that we would see moral confusion in our country, in our culture, would we? But if you read the news, you know that there is moral confusion. We are so morally confused that we don't know the gender of our children at birth. Marriage can be anything but one man and one woman. And we are willing to draft our mothers and our daughters to fight men in the front lines of battle. For over 150 years, and I can document this, for over 150 years the unbelieving, unbelieving scientific community has intimidated Christians at all levels and robbed God of His glory by declaring billions of years of natural events. No God, no flood, no judgment. And that is exactly what Peter says will happen. However, like Joshua, we may say today, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. We will give God the glory that is His. 
which is most clearly seen in recent creation, a worldwide flood and judgment of sin at the cross of Christ. Redemption in Christ. There are plenty of believing scientists today who have provided wonderful scientific support for believing in the literal creation and a worldwide flood as described in Genesis. But what you need to do today, what we need to do for our own, for your own stability of faith and the faith of your family is to confidently give God His glory that is His first in your own hearts and then in your conversations with others. Speak with confidence Speak with confidence of a recent creation and a recent worldwide flood and the power of the cross to save in Christ. God has given us two witnesses to everything He has done. Tangible physical evidence and His Word creation and His Word. However, people need the Word of God to correctly interpret the physical evidence that is seen. The Word of God is the key to knowing reality. And by the Word of God we understand that the visible evidence points to creation and the flood. Hebrews 11:3 By faith we understand that the universe by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible How should we then live We should grow in grace, in our relationship, in our change with the Lord Jesus Christ to become more like Him by God's grace through faith. We should grow in grace, and we should speak truth in love. What does that look like? Number one, read the Bible. Take time away from the TV routine that you have and read the Bible. Live by the Word of God. Practice the Word of God. Pray together. Worship together. Motivated out of a love for God. That's number one. Number two. Speak truth in love. Talk, speak, write about a recent creation, the flood, and redemption in Christ at the cross. 
We have a mission. We have a mission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all people groups, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Speak truth. Speak truth in love to a world without truth, a world without Christ. We have a mission. We have a mission. We are all called to walk as children of light in a dark and confused world. We are called to speak truth in love to a world thoroughly convinced of lies and myths regarding the beginning of all things. Peter put it this way, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. One day, one day there will no longer be any battles there will no longer be any lies or deceitful myths. There will only be truth and reality forever. Revelations 21 verses 1 through 4 and I'll close with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Let us pray. O oh, Father, God, our Creator and Redeemer in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
We give you praise and glory this morning that is yours. And Lord, we pray for one another that you, by your Spirit, give us courage to speak truth in love where you put us in a dark world that is without hope, in a confused world. Lord, may we speak with courage, truth, in love that gives you glory. And may you be pleased to use your word to draw people to yourself, to hear and to understand the gospel of the kingdom. Lord, save us, for there is no one else. There is but one way, one truth, one hope, and that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Build your church on the truth. Build your people. Help us to live out and practice your word. Change us to be more like you, that we may be lights in a dark and confused world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.